0: Italian Wine Podcast. Cin Cin with Italian
1: wine people. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Rebecca Lawrence and this is Voices. In this set of interviews, I will be focusing on issues of inclusion, diversity and allyship through intimate conversations with wine industry professionals from all over the globe. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps us cover equipment, production and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast with me, your host this week, Rebecca Lawrence. I'm pleased to be in conversation today with Maria Caterina Dei of Cantina Dei in Montepulciano, Tuscany. Welcome to the podcast Maria. I am so delighted to be able to speak with you today Uh, and I I do have a confession to start the podcast because actually your wine uh, is one of the original wines that made me fall in love with Italian wine. It was given to me by a friend in Montepulciano and so it's a real honour to have you with me today.
0: Thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm so excited and delighted as well to speak with you. And uh, you make me flattered (laughs) by saying this about my wine. (laughs) Thank you. So I'm really glad that you enjoy the Vino Nobile and our wines. Uh, Thanks a lot. (laughs) I'm really happy to be here with you today.
1: So for those who might not be familiar with Cantina Dei, can you tell our listeners maybe a little bit about where you are situated and the wines that you produce?
0: Absolutely, Rebecca. We are in beautiful Tuscany, so in the heart of Italy, and um, you know that Montepulciano is a very ancient area, and it's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful town that was, uh, you know, built during the Renaissance. So, we, we it is also called the pearl of the 15th century. So, Montepulciano has always been very famous. So of course uh, the foundation and uh, the the original birth uh, of the whole territory goes back to the Etruscan uh, time. So thousands of years ago, before the Romans, but it is true that Montepulciano saw it's uh, <clears throat> you know it's flowering in, during the Renaissance. So it was uh, really the most important buildings were built between the fifteenth and the sixteenth century. That's why the pearl of the fifteenth century. The Medici family from Florence were very close to the area, and they sent the most important architects to build Montepulciano. And it is also during that time, during the Renaissance, that we hear the name Nobile, so the appellation uh, uh, you know, for, for, for the wine. Why Nobile, can you guess? Because uh, it was the best wine produced in the region that was reserved to the noble families, And also, you know, to the crown heads uh, all over Europe, because we know that the Vino Nobile reached many important uh, families around Europe. So England and uh, other countries. So it was a real, real important wine. And nowadays it's considered one of the most ancient wines in Italy. So speaking of the territory and, uh, you know, wine linked to the territory. So, you know, I, I really invite, you know, people who, who have never come to the area to come and enjoy the beauty, the beauty of the landscape, the beauty of the, you know, art and the city that has so much history and so much to, to, to offer.
1: Uh, So you were speaking about, obviously, architecture being an important feature of Montepulciano, but it's an incredibly important feature of the Cantina dei winery because it's made, as I understand, completely of Travertine. Why was this decision made and why is Travertine so important to your family?
0: So this is really belonging to the history and story of my family because my family has always been uh, dealing with Travertine so my father, who really was the, you know, the designer and the constructor of the cantina, he thought of making a cellar, making a home for his wine made with his stone, what he used to call his stone, because the family has always been uh, excavating, traverting in uh, Rapolano, in Tuscany. And this has always been the, the core business in the family. Uh, Before the passion for wine, uh, you know, really um, kept us uh, so, so busy. So the the history of our family goes uh, together with the traveling business. And of course, now has always been connected to the wine now for many years because uh, it was my grandfather. So my father's father who started planting the vineyard, uh, planting the first vineyard in the 60s. So he planted uh, what is now uh, Bossona, which is uh, the vineyard where we produce our Riserva, where we grow the vines for our Vino Nobile Riserva Bossona. So my my grandfather started uh, with the vineyards, but we used to sell grapes for a number of years until my father started thinking of making some wine for family and friends' consumption. That was the idea and uh, this goes back to the eighties, actually, the mid eighties. And indeed, the Vino Nobile in 1985 was our first Vino Nobile produced. We produced one barrel of Vino Nobile. That was the start. And as you know, 1985 was such a good year, such a great vintage that gave us, you know, the start. So after that, we decided to start making wine professionally. And it was my father to build, you know, the first vinification cellar and an aging cellar, which is completely different from what we have now and from what my father himself built uh, underground a few years ago. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2018, but uh, he had the time to finish his uh, piece of art, as he used to call it. And uh, I think that's the right name for For the cellar, so he designed and realized a cellar underground, which is uh, a snail shaped to recall the the fossils that are one of the most important ingredients in uh, some of uh, our most important vineyards. And traverting is all over, so the pavement, the walls, the ceiling, and the roof the roof of the cellar which really makes an amphitheater. So I have to say outside the cellar, we can have an amphitheater with a perfect acoustic. And uh, my dream is to be able to organize concert and art events in the, in the future, in the near future, to be able to, to make synergies and to have wine wine connected to art, and wine connected to music because you probably know that I'm very fond of music.
1: I do actually uh, want to come to your love of, of music and theatre uh, in a moment. <laughs> uh, I am definitely going to be asking about that. But also, before we dive into that, uh, I wanted to ask, when you started working for the winery, because you started in theatre, not in wine, so how did you make the decision to to move into wine?
0: It was not actually my decision. In fact, I was totally wrapped into my theatre uh, theatrical and, uh, you know, music studies. And uh, I, I studied arts at university and I studied theater. I studied voice. So I was uh, back and forward from uh, Tuscany to Milan and to Rome. And this was back to the early 90s until my father asked me to, you know, to help him. And he asked me to get involved in the wine business that has just started. Because we know we started selling the first bottles of Vino Nobile at the end of the 80s, let's say beginning of the 90s. So in 1991, my father asked me and uh, insistently to have me involved in the wine, and I said no, but no, Dad, no, thanks. I'm not interested in wine. (laughs) That was my first reaction and my first answer to my father's question, and I said no, Dad, because I'm uh, totally you know busy with my studies, but I can come help you with the harvest. And that was the first step that I made into the winery. So I came for the harvest in 1991, and I found that, uh, you know, it was a dramatic, attractive thing. And I I really enjoyed being in the nature, being in the vineyards. Uh, You know, I was wearing my boots and I took my scissors, and I went into the vineyards with, the, with all the pickers to pick the grapes. and I thought that was fantastic. There was something, you know, a flattering, amazing experience. And at that time, I also thought, you know, <laughs> in the days after the harvest, that I could have uh, made my own lifestyle here, basically, you know, feeling free to play the piano and rehearse And study uh, music here in the countryside. Also, the thing that really pushed me to to make a step in this direction was the fact that I had a beautiful grand piano in the home of Montepulciano, which is still here actually. So, feeling, you know, very free, feeling beautifully uh, happy and free in the vineyards, and having a piano at disposal that uh, we could have played daytime nighttime really make made me think that this one was going to be the right the right thing to do and um you know made me think of uh, being in montepulciano and then i thought i will do something in the cellar to make my dad uh, happy you know i will pretend working in the vineyards <laughs> that was uh, what i thought in the beginning and uh so it was uh, more and more and more being involved day after day. And I'm still there after more than ten, more than 30 years. This is my story. And I have to say, I've always felt more and more involved and more happy to be in the world of wine. So it took me time. And I always say, I entered the world of wine uh, from... Uh, from the backstage, you know, from a back door, because uh, I went to the vineyard. So I learned by doing, I have to say, but I touched base in every little section of all the daily work. So, and especially in the beginning, there was what we called the the fattore at the time, the person in charge for, for everything, because, of course, we grew uh, bigger year after year, but we started as a very small winery. So there was one person in charge for almost everything. So that person made my daily schedule saying, okay, today we have to label. And we were labeling the bottles, uh, by hand initially. So that was what I was doing. And then, you know, really very basic little things to do. I had a little office, so I was, uh, printing invoices uh, by uh, a very, a very old, uh, you know, machine. So, and this was, uh, this was the beginning. And then year after year, I was, uh, you know, I got more and more enthusiastic about my, what I did. I was opening more and more windows uh, on the wine world uh, every day. So then I started traveling. I started going around. And I forgot about music for for some years. You know, unfortunately, I forgot about music because I didn't have the time of even thinking about it. But then I happened to get in touch with some Tuscan musicians. And together with them, we decided to record an album that you can actually listen to on our website. It's called Caterina. And I put together... All the songs that I like the most, so from uh, some of the Beatles' song, you know, some jazz such as uh, "Summertime," classical jazz like "Summertime" or "New York, New York," and uh, other songs, and a little bit of something that I composed because I like improvising. That's the other side of my musical uh, personality. So that's uh, that's how I. Uh, how I was able to put some music into wine. And I have to say, I discovered day by day that music, it's not so far away from wine and vice versa. In a place like this, really focusing also on, uh, if I may use the word conviviality, and having people come, enjoying people, enjoying wine, I thought that I could definitely put together music and wine, and this is uh, this is one of my goals. Actually, one of the the goals that I care of uh, the most for the next future, to be able to have events here and having people get in touch with the territory, with the land, with the landscape, with the vines, with the wines and music. One full experience dealing with many different aspects of uh, culture, wine and land.
1: So thinking about making this uh, one experience, the the wine with the culture, I I have a fun question for you, uh, given music is so important. I wanted to ask you if you were to match uh, one song with a wine in your cellar, which wine and which song would you choose?
0: So, I have to say, I have songs that i that I composed that are part of my second album. Of course, I speak of albums, but these albums uh, goes to my friends only <laughs> I, I don't sell music albums <laughs> because I'm busy enough to sell wine <laughs> by the way, but anyway, I recorded the these albums you know for for the fun of it and uh to to have friends and uh, customers of ours and, uh, you know, people that I know in the one business that also love music, by the way. So uh, the goal is having them uh, listening to my songs. But uh, one song that I really like to sing, uh, sometimes I do it a cappella in the amphitheater, is definitely Summertime. (laughs) It's definitely Summertime. Summer Montepulciano, you know. Of course, the summertime is the best time to come to Montepulciano. Oh, together with spring and, uh, of course, the fall. But in the winter, I would say dancing in the rain, <laughs> dancing in the rain and uh, in the rain. And maybe, maybe you know, I'll make the title longer and enjoying wine.
1: <laughs> uh, so, which which wine would you would you pair with summertime or with dancing in the rain?
0: I would say enjoy a vino nobile, definitely enjoy a vino nobile. <laughs> uh, you know why? Uh, by the way, by the way, I have something important to say. That's why. You know, going back to the Renaissance when the vino nobile started, you know, being important and started being a really worldwide known, we have an important person who was. Uh, in the mid of the 16th century, the bottigliere del Papa, so the sommelier of the Pope at that time, sommelier of Julius II. So this person's name was Sante Lancerio, and we have many important statements written by him. And he said, the Vino Nobile is such a great wine, and the Pope likes the Vino Nobile all over Italian wines. You know why? Because it is a very perfect wine. He used these two words, perfect, very perfect. It is a very perfect wine and it is perfect to be enjoyed both in the winter and in the summertime. So I think that's perfectly, you know, (laughs) matching what we were saying about music and wine.
1: Uh, as you know, I, I, completely agree that Vino Nobile is, is definitely a perfect glass of wine. And certainly, as you say, one to be, to be shared with others with, through conviviality. Obviously, this has been quite a difficult year for everybody, particularly wineries that are facing new challenges. How have you dealt with the situation with 2020, 2021? Uh, have you just been immersing yourself in, in wine and music?
0: Uh, but 2020, I have to say, I lived a very unexpected uh, period of time because uh, I happened to travel to the United States uh, at the, in the beginning of March last year. So I left Tuscany uh, March the 1st, exactly. And I went to New York for my, you know, the tour that I, uh, that was scheduled. So to meet my importers and to join, uh, of course, wine events, and that the pandemic was just starting to spread, unfortunately, and Italy was already kind of, you know, a risky, uh, risky country. So, and I remember I went to New York with some other pr- wine producers. We were supposed to pour the wine at some wine events, and people were about, you know, kind of scared to have Italian producers pouring wine. So that was the beginning. So I finished my tour, ending, uh, ending up in, uh, in, in Miami for a press tour of Italian wines. And after that, I was supposed to, to come back. So by March the 15th, I was supposed to be back in Italy. And I couldn't travel because flights were canceled. So, uh, you know, when did I come back? I came back July the 28th. So I was in Florida for five months and this was totally unexpected <laughs> of course of course i had i could handle of course i could handle the situation because uh, somehow i have a home in florida because uh, my sister has always goes gone back and forth because her business the traveling most of it is in florida so that's why he has uh, she has a small apartment um, there so i knew where i could stay <laughs> so i was not homeless but uh but everything was uh, absolutely, uh, you know, different from what I usually would have done in a, in a normal, let's say, year. So I was there and, of course, uh, during the lockdown. But at the same time, I was able to talk with my American distributors. And I have to say... My export, because actually we export 70% of our wines. My export, especially in the United States, was good. I mean, comparing to the international situation, comparing to, of course, the tragedy of the pandemic. Commercially speaking, we did we did a good job. We did a good job. Of course, apart from uh, aside this situation, it is... Uh, Of course, uh, you know, a very frustrating uh, situation. I mean, speaking uh, worldwide, of course, uh, we have friends, uh, restaurateurs that are really in a very bad crisis. And of course, uh, the fact that 2020 at the end of the day was not so bad for us doesn't mean that we are worried. We are worried for many reasons because uh, you know so many people everywhere in the old, in the world are losing their jobs and the situation is not over unfortunately. So we cannot travel and we're not we're not so confident that the 2021 would be you know a good year for uh, for everyone. So of course, uh, basically we 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 can't travel and it's it, it is not sure that people. Uh, could have the opportunity to come over. We don't know if people from the United States or from other countries could travel. So, of course, we are uh, very worried and we are concerned about uh, many aspects of uh, our business and, uh, of course, our health all over the world. Unfortunately, it's something that I think, you know, touch every one of us by by very close, by very near, because... uh, I think like me and like many people that I know, they also know people that have been uh, sick, that have been infected and everyone is scared. Everyone is worried. You know, relationship changed so much because uh, we're not free to talk to each other without a mask. And uh, I mean, I think lifestyle changed. I think everybody's, everybody's lifestyle worldwide changed, I think. You know, luckily from my side, I have to say people drank wine at home, which is probably the reason why uh, we didn't uh, we didn't lose our um, market. Considering that restaurants have been closed and wine stores have been closed, but people ordered wines and they drank wines at home, and this is really something that helped us a lot, and also keep us enthusiastic and keep us wanting to fight and go on, because otherwise, you know, we we could have uh we could have closed the doors of our business, the close the doors of our wineries if uh, you know, if it wasn't because of this. But of course we are very worried. Uh we're very worried for many people that have been sick again, people who have lost their dear ones. So of course, it's not an easy situation. We hope that the vaccine will finally uh, bring us to to reestablish health uh, all over, so to go back to a life that we, wo- we all want to live.
1: And hopefully in the meantime, everyone will be continuing to drink Vino Nobile at home until that they are able to travel and be with you and enjoy a fabulous concert in your amphitheater. Maria, thank you so much for joining me on the Italian Wine Podcast today. Um, where can our listeners find you and the winery online or on social media?
0: We are on social media. We are... Uh, Cantina Day is on Facebook, is on Instagram... And of course, we have our website. So cantineday.com that you can join to look at the pictures of our winery, uh, to have, uh, you know, to read about us and to listen to your music if you like.
1: Of course, we have to send all of our listeners to listen to the music. Uh, Could you just repeat the Instagram handle for us?
0: It's cantineday. So it's C-A-N-T-I-N. N-E-Day, D-E-I, Cantina Day. So it's both, it's the same, uh, the same address, Instagram and uh, Facebook. And Rebecca, we would love to welcome you to the winery as soon as uh, you could uh, come to Italy. Uh, you'll be our guest, of course.
1: I will be there as soon as I can travel. I will be there to witness the amphitheater myself and to enjoy a glass of Bassona while I do it. Maria, thank you so much. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy this conversation.
0: Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much. Listen to the
1: Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs.
0: Until next time, cin cin!